Welcome to Paddy Talks, brought to you thanks to Seed Golf, who deliver you affordable tour performance, same performance, half the price. Check them out at www.seedgolf.com and try them today. Thank you for pressing play. On today's show, we have Waterford man Gary Hurley. Before we get to that, as Gay Byrne used to say, roll it there, Roisin. Cause we're gonna be I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Bradley, what do you get at? Donald Donovan is the left cornerback. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. It's all on this. Here it comes. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Thanks for pressing play. On this week's show, I would like to welcome professional golfer Hayley from Waterford, Gary Hurley. Welcome, Gary. Thanks for having me. Thanks. You're from Waterford. What's that like? Yeah, it's great. The Asian county. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, I'm very proud, proud Waterford man. Um, Waterford, big for sport. Um, pretty big for golf um, lately. The hurling is suffering a bit at the minute, but uh, hoping they'll come back, come back soon. So yeah, I'm a Clare man, so we've been suffering not as long as you've been suffering. Yeah, but we've been suffering ourselves. I know, I know. Clare's been it's been a rough, rough year for Watford and Clare in the in the championship. We were praying for David to come back again. Are you praying for David to come back again? I don't know. There was mixed emotions with Dave. You know, um, he's a good character though. Be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. He's obviously doing very well at, at Wexford, and they were. I think did they did they go off and. Um, did they want him back? Like, they, they went to his house and all, didn't they? The team, they got him back and then he won the Leinster Championship with them. Like, incredible story there. So, he obviously does something right. I might get him on the show sometime, you never know. Yeah, he's clear, great, yeah. He's a decent golfer as well. Good character, yeah, and a good golfer. Yeah. Big sport, man. You're a Man United fan as well? I am, yeah. Actually, gotten big into Man United in the last year, a year or so. Um, my uncle was a big, big Man United fan when I was, when I was growing up. Um, two uncles, actually, on either side, and they were. They got me into it um, from a young age, bought me jerseys and stuff. My dad is a fan as well. And just, I kind of fell away from it a little bit. And then in the last while, I've gotten back into it. I'm on transfer every day. I listen to a, a thing on YouTube called the United Stand. But it's, it's, it's a bit of a piss take, funny, but like they, they follow all the transfers and it's great, yeah. So, so it's guys at the wheel. He we're, is. We're, yeah. we're already up, but we're yeah. going up even further. Yeah, he, need, he needs a few, a couple more players. I, I really like Harry Maguire. Like I remember him when he was at, I remember seeing him play a game. I think it was against United when he played for Hull. And I was like, who is this guy? Like he's really good on the ball, big man, you know, um, good in the air, reads the game quite well. At the minute, I think he's England's best defender, centre half anyway. Um, Ninety mil is a lot. That's what they're asking for, you know. It's big money. I'd like them to pay it and just get him, but it's a lot of money. Um, but I'd like to, I'd like to see him at United because he's I think he's. He'll go to another level when he, when he comes, so we'll see, see how it goes. He's a better players around him anyway, so... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, Juan Bissaka is brilliant now, right back. I seen the preseason game the other day, and he was... I don't know if you've seen it now, but every time the ball was lost, or he lost it himself, he was throwing in ridiculous tackles. Like, nobody could get past him. He was incredible now to see. So he's obviously a really, really good talent, a young player coming through. Um, and then, yeah, the rest of the team, I hope Pogba stays. I kind of wanted him to go. I did. Um... But now we're late in the season, we, we don't really have much time left, two weeks left to get players in to replace him. Um, so I hope he stays because after the transfer window closes, he could go afterwards. And you know, they can't get any more players in. That's a worry. So That is a worry. I saw an interesting thing on Twitter earlier today of like the top five. So City, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, ourselves, and of players since I think it was 2015. Players who are no or who are still with the team. Yeah, so like City is like six, Liverpool is like mm-hmm. nine, and United is eighteen. Yeah, United, so they have a lot of Deadwood. <laughs> the guys on that night, United stand like to call the Deadwood. Yeah, Edward, Edward uh, needs to get on the ball does, there. Yeah, I don't know. It was strange the contract like the renew Youngs, Smalling, and Joneses before the end of the season, before the transfer. Like, I do, I just don't, I couldn't understand it. You know. Um, Maybe Smalling, like he, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but like I think he, he could be good beside beside another good defender. He could be. I call him the modern day Silvestre, just yeah. ultimately kamikaze yeah. in all ways. <laughs> he could be good. He could be when he's good, he's really good. But when he's bad, he's he's, he's pretty bad. Yeah, but young, I'm not sure. Like Spongasak is, I think he'll walk into that position. 
Um, I think Young might be able to help him though going forward. He's not. He's very quick. He kind of lacks the confidence to take someone on. Or I don't know. That's what it looks like anyway to me. But you know my limited knowledge in football now. <laughs> but he's a very good defender, which is great. You know, Young wasn't very, very, very good at you know people coming at him. It'll give the centre halves that bit of you know relief when when you have him out there in the wing and he can hold his own. You know. Well, two, them two boys ahead of him, actually Young and. And young Lingard, they're not lacking on confidence anyway. They lose it, so I hope they might bring him on a small Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. I hope so. Hope so. So with big, in, big interest in sport in general in the Hurley household. So you yeah. big interest in GAA football. So where did God fit in? So like, how did you get into the game in the first place? Um, yeah, my dad brought me out when I was about ten. I'd say I was about ten years old. He brought me out to West Waterford Golf Club. We're great, great club for for juniors all through through the years. You know, a great family owns owns a club in the Sprats. They were always very good to me and to Seamus before me. And anyone that came down young to play to play in, on the on the course we, we were we were allowed, you know, the same privileges as most most full members, like which was great. Um, very supportive. My dad brought me down there when during the summer when I was ten, you know, just messing around. Um, I had a few like half half set of like really small clubs. This is before, you know, now you can go into McGurks and buy like different age group sets. Like back then it was just you could maybe get a club made for you that was smaller, but there was these old wooden ones I had. I think it was my my primary school principal at the time. It was friends friends with my mum and dad. Um, he had a set from I think his son used, and he gave it to me to use when, when I was really young, and I kind of got into it that way. But I was big into like soccer and hurling back then as well, and football, G in general. So I, they were kind of my number ones, especially soccer. I was really big into soccer, um, and then. I think it was maybe 14, 15. We won a couple of junior foursomes in the club. Um, that was pretty big like for the competitive side of golf. And then I think it was from 15, 16 where I started to take it a bit more serious. I kind of realized, you know, I'm actually pretty good at this, more so than I was at soccer and, and, and hurling football. And, you know, I kind of went to, the, I remember, like I worked my way up through the panel. So I was on, I think I was on underage panel at Munster and, I played my first Interpros when I was 16, boys, and I played it when I was 16, 17, 18 for boys, Interpros, and then I got on to my Nash, first national panel when I was 17, which is a big deal. Like, looking back on it now, when I used to turn up, like it was Saturday and Sunday, and cold winter weekend, and you'd turn up on Saturday, and you'd be really nervous, like super nervous about this, like these two days, because they were huge in your head, you know. Um, looking back on it, it's kind of funny, because as you got used to being on, on the panels and teams, it just became like another weekend, you know. There was no pressure, it was just like, okay, it's a bit of practice this weekend, whereas when I was turning up first, I was super nervous. It was like I was teeing up in the first round of the, of the Open, like, you know. But, you know, it was all relative, like, when you started to get get better and better and things became, like, you know, normal to you. And uh, it was great. And then, yeah, was, I made Monster teams and, and Irish teams and, it was all great. My amateur career was, was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. It was, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So before we hit, we hit record, I asked about the amateur game because before we stepped in a room to record this show, I was looking into where I'd normally kind of go, you know, amateur game, Gary Hurley, the South, Gary Hurley, the West. and couldn't really, really find anything, so I'm nearly afraid to ask the question. So like, mm. But there's loads of stuff about Walker Cup. So like, where where is the gap between? Okay, you're um, on the national team. So why why isn't there any? We'll say the West or the North even playing it. We'll say. Um, yeah, I played them. Um, I played the South. I only played a couple of times, and it always clashed with something. I can't remember what it was. It might have been Holmes or Interpol or something. I there was a reason why I didn't play it that much. Um, and I would have loved it because I love the hinge like that couple of times I played there, I really like the golf course, it's a great course as people seen this year in, in the Irish Open. Um, I didn't really win any big, big amateur events, which was, you know, it was a tough thing for me to turn a pro like that, you know, when you said you went looking for my name, hadn't won any big event, you know, that's something I look back at and, you know, I wish I had won something big, but in the pro game it doesn't really matter if you won something big, it just would have been nice to look back at my amateur career and have won something Big, but I did come like I came second in a lot of events. Um, I came second in my biggest events were probably the European Amateur individual. I came second two years in a row. 
stung me in the second year more so I wasn't really close to winning the first year but the second year I was leading going into the final round and, and it was a windy enough day and I played, didn't play brilliant but I played okay to shoot level par and lost by one, one shot and I was 18 under after three rounds before that like so Ser- serious golf it was, it was that was a tough one um, I lost in the final at a Spanish amateur it was 36 hole final that was a big event when, when I was amateur I think it still is but it was a really big event at the start of the year and I played really well all week and I was picked at the post there um, I lost in the final of the north Chris Selfridge beat me in the, in the final of the north I came tied second in the close when it was a stroke play event that was on in Portrush as well um, I think I came third one year in the east and I got to the semi-final and the quarter-final of the west as well a couple of years so I did I was featuring in all the events and I was in the mix I just never really got over the line that's fair enough and that got you the spot in the Walker Cup in 2015 yeah your Walker Cup was great yeah um, what a week I remember more about the week leading up to it because we got there on a Sunday I remember more of like we played little Monday, Tuesday and then we went and played in um Across the, across the water there, but we played there on Wednesday, just for something different, and it was amazing. Best greens I've put on was that that day on link screens, um, and we came back just for a little break from Lidham, and we came back for Lidham on maybe nine holes Thursday and Friday. Um, one of the biggest memories was for the lead up was one of the days it was blowing a hurricane downwind on eighteen. Eighteen holes like four hundred twenty five yards, and lads were just driving on the green. Like that's how windy it was on, on the practice round. Incredible, like um, a lot of lads on amateur golf now would have played Lidham for the Lidham Trophy yep. in the bank holiday May weekend. Um, it's a different course then. I can assure you than it was in in September. Much tougher conditions in the in the Lidham Trophy. I thought like temperature wise, especially. There's a lot of bunkers that were really in play in May, and they weren't really that much in play in. September for the Walker Cup, so the course is playing a little bit easier, more enjoyable, I think more of the way the course is supposed to be played. I think it's one it's one of my favourite links courses. It's very, very penal, you have to be really on your game and have, have be very accepting what's gonna happen. So it's it was a great week, the the two days. We won the event, I think we won sixteen nine or something. Which was huge. Sixteen and a half, nine and a half. half and you contributed two and a half of those points. Yeah, two and a half out of four. I didn't actually play that great. Um, for the two days I played okay um, yeah but obviously I did enough to, to win win enough points and obviously the other lads played great to, it was such a such a big win we did a good team like the US you know to come over here and we, we just knew the course so well and we knew how to play it and I think it might have it might have affected them how you know, unfair it can be as well with bounces and bunkers and you know it's, if anyone has played with them it's, it's definitely worth playing it's such a flat Links course, but yet so well designed bunkers and mounds and greens. It's brilliant, it's a brilliant course. So, any future tournaments on Challenge European Tour on Lytham will be putting a bit of money on yourself? Yeah, nice to bear, that, bear that in mind. I hope so. The, the so. class of 2015 is something else. There was uh, Cormac Charvin, yourself, uh, certain Jack Hume, and Gavin yeah. Moynihan. Yeah, all come to fruition a couple of years later in terms of all turning professional or are professional and, and performing yeah and I suppose that speaks volumes for the strength of the amateur game in Ireland as well that they're able to step up and, and maybe skip Euro Pro or, or graduate to a higher level of professional golf what's it and you were part I'm getting to the question eventually so you were part of like the the Paddy Harrington scholars in Maynooth and I suppose mm-hmm. to set the expectation for anyone who's looking like leave and search and is near to scratch or scratch level what's the expectation of getting on that is that a scholarship program is it in conjunction with a degree could you do business and management the business and management yeah yeah it's, it was, I did, did my, got my degree got my I graduated from there um, and like I played golf a lot when I was there in Ireland the weather wasn't brilliant but like we, we did what we could and I, I improved a lot there the coaching systems were, were really good and, and were very well put in place um if you needed something, it was there for you. Um, coming into the, coming from college, just what from school. I mean, I was on a national team. I was playing for homes, so I, um, the scholarship was there for. You know, I would have been 
if, if you were a national player, you would have been able to get a scholarship pretty much. So I was, when I got a scholarship, I was delighted. Um, my previous year, see, I only, my boys, my best boys year was when I was, my summer after I finished Very good. school. So like, it's like perfect timing for won. a good year. Yeah, well, yeah, but also like, but if it was the year before, um, a lot of lads, they seem to go to the States, you know, and a lot of the States, um, coaches, they scout from a younger age, so they get you when you're younger, not when you just finish, so they want to have it in the bag for a few years before then. And I came on the boy scene really when my last year, when I was 17, 18, um, and Minus was always in my mind that I wanted to go there, it was a good scholarship program, good opportunities, got to go to Portugal every year for some warm weather training in, in the in the winter and I got to play all the national international events around Europe for Ireland as well and the college were very good to me during that as well they allowed me some time to go away the lecturers understood and I, I caught up with my work when I was back and it was it was great that way so there was a lot of pluses for for going to Minute yeah for sure. so there's no politics between the college and the scholarship program in, in terms of time off to go play at an international event for a country. Sometimes it was difficult, sometimes it was. Uh, There's the odd lecture, I suppose. There, was, always there, always, there always is, yeah. But most of, them were, most of them were very, very accommodating. And a lot of them played golf, which was good as well. So no, very good. Very good. So, so I to set the expectation for anyone who's listening, yeah. kind of do as much as you can performance-wise up to leave and start and then try and get noticed yeah. to, to get a spot. Exactly, just... just play your own game, you know, um, just try and perform in the big events, and if, if you perform in big events, like, you get noticed, you know, that's what happens, um, that's the way it works, um, I mean, I didn't know, when I went, went into college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to, does anyone? Yeah, well, no, like, I, was, <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> but with regards to both things, I didn't know okay. what I want, what I wanted to do, really, in my career, I didn't know what I wanted to do, if I wanted to do something at all with golf, you know, I wasn't sure, I was, I just went into college, with the idea of like I want to get better at golf you know I want to improve as much as I can and when it comes to the end of my end of my college three years four years I was there I want to see how good I am see if I'm ready and when it came to the end of my three years I thought yeah I thought I was good enough like I was competing in all the big events amateur events around around uh, Europe and I played in a couple of Irish Opens as well as an amateur I made a call in one of them um, highlighted my my home parish actually on the Friday I shot 66 in one of the days and it was incredible scenes not really like above in Port Rush now with Shane and his parish but on a very very lower a way lower scale but I wouldn't say that I was in Lehinch for the Irish Open and even mm-hmm. because you're Irish and you're playing in Ireland like there was a massive following yeah say for the likes of Cormac Robin mm-hmm. Dawson Conor O'Rourke fellow Nace man I'm from Clare but I'm uh, inbred in Nace at this stage <laughs> Um, but there is that massive support so I suppose everyone is seeing Shane Lauer like he's a top 50 player in the world so he'd get some organic support as well just because he's playing locally but I yeah. suppose what's it like being the local lad in the likes of an Irish Open and what's that yeah. feeling of that local support I mean in any Irish event like you're the local lad no matter where it is in Ireland and you know it can be you know it can be tough it's great the support is great it can be tough as well because the expectation you know, you, you kind of want to perform for yourself, you want to perform for everyone else that comes as well. And you kind of, ex- just that little bit of expectation kind of can, can get to you sometimes. Um, and obviously Shane embraced it, like what a weekend that was. Uh, it was incredible to watch, you know, emotional. Seeing him, what he, what he did like and how he handled it, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, it's great, like having home support is, is great. You know, it's different to when you're away because when you're away playing somewhere in Europe or in America or wherever you are like not many people are coming around following you it's just you and if you have a caddy it's you and your caddy and maybe a couple of lads you might know that's it like you know you don't have a huge following cheering you on every every round every day you know so it's, it's definitely different um, and it's good different it's nice to see some friendly faces in the crowd and some friendly people cheering you on so it's great in terms of seeing what Shane Lowry achieved a couple of weeks ago now yeah what do you take from that? I mean, inspiration definitely. Like, who's who hasn't watched that as a as a golfer? Even on the course now, not in Thirty Seven Dawson Street. Yeah, the night, right. <laughs> I mean, like anyone watching that in any sport, like if you don't get inspired by watching that, then 
you're cold inside like cause it was incredible scenes for any sportsman any sport watching that it was incredible um, it obviously spurs you on see how he handled it like, I, was, I was more impressed of with how he dealt with it on the course dealt with like the Saturday the elation of, of you know Saturday almost felt like he had it won you know the way people were going on it was incredible around the golf and, and he, he, he relished it all and he went out there on Sunday and still was managed to keep it all together and you know performed the way he did was, I thought it was incredible um, and hats off to him for that and yeah like I'm, I'm inspired to to you know get my, my career back on track now and start hopefully be out there one day with him you know that's, that's the dream right now uh, living living a lot of our dreams where, where you are yeah. at, at the moment so life is a pro now so turn pro in 2015 yeah you're managed by Hamburg Sports Hamburg Sports yeah so I had a bit of a chat with Colm um, Moriarty in my previous show yeah in terms of when you turn pro do you send out like I do when I'm looking for jobs do I send out 100 CVs to management companies and Colm was like no ideally they pick you yeah. So what was it like? Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Yeah, um, Hamrick approached me around 2013, 2014, 2014. I can't remember, but it was definitely like a, at least a year before I turned pro. Um, Roy Fanning, he's actually an Irish guy as well. He works for Hamrick. He's the head in Europe in Hamrick. Um, and he approached me, and you know he's shown a lot of mass in me. And you know when I when I was got close to turning pro, there was no one else I was going to sign up really. They were, they were my number one. There was a few other guys came along, you know, this is what we can offer, but it was pretty much the same thing, but I hadn't had, I didn't have the relationship I had built up with, with Hamburg, so, and they've been great to me, you know, they have, they've helped me out a lot, so it's, it's nice to have someone like that behind you. And in, in terms of lads and ladies who are turning pro that might be listening to this or might be shared with them or just for people's information, yeah. what expectations can you set for a management company looking after like what do they take care of they kind of look after deals and stuff so if you're when I turned pro I was one of the top amateurs in GB9 Europe I had deals and titlists from other sponsorships coming on and they kind of took care of all that and they negotiated all that stuff so I could play golf and and they like if you want they want them to look up flights and, and look up places to stay they'll do all that as well and they'll present you with options and you'll choose choose what the options are but ultimately the biggest change was like you still have to make a decision you know um, so they, they were kind of like they were kind of like what the GUI did as an amateur you know they, they, they took care of everything off the course yeah but and they made the decisions for you whereas when you turn pro the manager company will take care of everything off the course but ultimately everything will be your decision so you're making a decision they present you with options and you have to make the decision other than like decision being made for you like when I went away with the GY like they had practice time booked already like you know this is what time we're playing this is what time we're eating this is what time we're doing that you know everything was set and you just had to turn up you know that was, which is nice which is nice it was brilliant as, an, as a playing in Hampshire golf it made everything very easy you know you didn't have to worry about anything but playing golf and when you turn pro it kind of changes like this they still have guys doing stuff for you but you you were making the decisions you still have to make a decision of when you want to play a crash on how you want to your week to go like do you want to play nine holes today or 18 holes tomorrow like you know that's all decided for you as an amateur where you have to decide all that yourself and it might be small decisions but like there's a lot of small decisions that you have to make and uh, just getting on top of that and getting set and learning what works for you is is key you know so my father-in-law is 63 mm. and got him into golf a couple of years ago and he's mad into it so yeah it's addictive uh, yeah. it's addictive but his question Sometimes we were watching the, the open yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, "They're walking around like with sponsors from head to toe, right?" Now I understand why sponsors are needed. So maybe there's some people who don't. So like, what part? Why do you need sponsorship as a professional? I mean, I could be doing what I'm doing now without sponsorship. I mean, likes of the lads who you see on TV, like they don't, they could do without sponsorship. Like they could live their lives without sponsorship. In terms of like the top, I always say like the top hundred in the world. Yeah, even they're more, taken care of. Even maybe. more than that, I'd say. Could you know they could, based on the prize money, they could live comfortably. Top hundred in the world, definitely comfortably, definitely. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah. most of them on the PGA Tour and money on PGA Tour is massive. 
if anyone hasn't looked into it, it's pretty big. Last um, place in the WGC last week yeah. gets 30 grand. Yeah. Exactly. There's no cut. Exactly. It's for the top 50 That's or top it. 75, yeah. Because life's easy. Easier, not easy, but easier. It takes a little bit of pressure off. But still, you know, sponsors are great though, because at my level and at lads around my level, like it's, and when you're starting off, it takes a bit of pressure off, you know. Pressure in terms of? Pressure of performing, because at the end of the day, you have to perform. If you don't perform, you're not going to make any money. You know what I mean? That's golf in general. It's different to like, if you're a footballer, like you're, you're signed to a team and you have a contract, you're getting your income every week. And it is a little bit performance based, but it's over like a lengthy period. So you're set for a few years, you know? Yeah. It happens like that in golf as well. If you win a big tournament, you, you will be, you're, you have a card, you have a card on the tour for a couple of years, you know? It's similar in, in some ways, but for a lot of golfers, it's just week to week, you know? And it's performing week to week, and there can be a lot of pressure in that. And it's quite expensive to travel as well, you know? Stay in places, different countries, you know, there's, if you go to, the Nordic countries, like it's a lot more expensive than it would be to go to like Portugal or, or Spain, you know, Czech Republic, places where it's a bit cheaper. Um, so it kind of all works out price wise, but it is quite expensive to travel and, and to do what we're doing. And to have sponsors who back you, it's great, you know, to have people who, who believe in you as well, it's, it's brilliant. And when you get to that top level, like Shane and, and Podrick and, and uh, Rory, you know, they're, they're just sponsorship becomes like an extra you yeah. know what I mean and then your time is worth a lot to the sponsors more than it would be me now like I wouldn't be a big name for some sponsors who came on right now but they'd show belief in me that someday I might be call you know? out to Rolex there yeah call out to anyone who wants to sponsor me <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah like so say Shane now he has a couple of sponsors he might have to he'll have to do a couple of days every year you know Turns up like you'd have to give them a corporate day. So corporate day, give okay. his time for for a whole day to the people that support him and sponsor him. You know, um, and then there's a few there's players that are that would be with Nike. So Nike are like clean clean branded athletes, so they don't have any sponsors other than Nike, with the exception of maybe Jason Day Texas on his arm. But so they'll only have Nike. So a lot of players would go and Nike would have big money to pay the players, and they won't have any corporate days which a lot of players would like, you know, having less time to give, but they'd have to give a lot of time tonight if they want them. Yeah, yeah, so um, like Brooks. Yeah, like, so like Brooks and Rory and, you know, yeah. Tiger and all that. But yeah, like we wouldn't be able to do what we do without sponsors, 100%, you know, sponsors are a huge part of the player, huge part of tournaments, like tournaments wouldn't exist without sponsors. Like the likes of Rolex now for Rolex series, that wouldn't exist without Rolex, you know. The money on the European tour wouldn't exist there for the Rolex events if it wasn't for Rolex, so. European Tour would do a great job in that because it's tough to compete with the PGA Tour because PGA Tour is such a big brand in itself um, and so many so much money in TV in the states that you know it's hard very hard to compete and European Tour seem to be doing quite a good job um, and we obviously have a lot of good players from Europe which helps you know a lot of like Rory and John Ram and all them boys that are at the top Tommy Fleetwood now Shane so it's uh, and Padraig obviously and all that's one majors. So to put into person, I always like to, I have discovery is part of my job, so I like to dig deep, right? So I I move away from everyone loves to talk about money, so I just to kind of put into context in terms of cost. So I I equate after that little discussion, I equate kind of being on tour to a commission only sales job. So there's no base. Yeah. So you want to get paid so, yeah. for your performance, right? So, so I used to go door to door, and it was if mm. I didn't make a sale, I didn't get no money, right? So it was all around pounding the pavement. Yeah. So in a, in a week and on Challenge Tour, in terms of cost, uh, and we'll, we'll take, we'll stay in Europe and not go far okay. from places like, and we'll stay out of Norway for the mm-hmm. 12 euro points. What, what would that cost you? Well, flights vary. Like sometimes you can get a flight for nothing and sometimes you can get, you know, extortionate rates one way. <laughs> but um, I'd say average flights might be two to 300 euro return, maybe. And you might have to pay extra for bags, Ryanair. You will. You will have to pay extra bags at Ryanair. Um, other airlines, you do as well. Most of them around Europe, anyway. Um, accommodation depends. Like it really does. It depends on where you stay and how well you want to stay. You know, and how many people you stay with. Because then, the more people you stay with, the more it's divided by, and the less it's going to cost you. So I would say maybe, if you stayed in a house like a, 
like an Airbnb or something, it would cost you maybe between 150 and 300 euro for a week, maybe. That's not too bad then. Which is grand. It might even be less, like, you know, depending on how many of you, obviously. And then food as well. Um, you know, depending, like, dinner would be like 20 euro in the evening time, and then depending on whether you're buying breakfast or groceries, whatever, if you're making food. It really depends, like, on what level you want to be and how well you want to live, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it kind of all adds up. It might be, what else would be the expense? Like a rental car as well would be another expense if you're renting one. Caddy. And that varies as well. Caddy always gets paid, right? Yeah, always gets paid. If you have one, yeah, if you want one, you have to pay it. Do you need one? Very expensive. You don't need one on the Challenge Tour, but you do need one on the main tour. Like, it's a, it's a rule. You have to have a caddy on the main tour. But on the Challenge Tour, it's a choice. Um, and you only really have a caddy if you can afford it and if you're playing really well, you know, generally. Guys playing well and making money. I'll give you a call caddy. when you're like... Yeah, when yeah. I get up there, yeah. You shoot 66 in a So hopefully in the next year or two I'll have a caddy. In the next month. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. So, yeah. so, so you mentioned you might share a house and I know that for the Irish Open, the Irish boys, um, Robin, Cormac, um, I think Gavin Moynihan as well, rented a pad, um, rented a holiday home up the, yeah. at the top of the hill. Is there a contingent of you on the Challenge Tour that would travel yeah. around together as well? Yeah, like every week there is now. I haven't, I've only played two events this year on the Challenge Tour now, but like in the past couple of years, definitely, there's more and more Irish lads coming onto the Challenge Tour, which is great. And that's a huge testament to Team Ireland and Sport Ireland in general. Um, they've really helped with the two Irish Challenge Tour events now and the invites that they provide and the support. Like, they're one of my sponsors. Um, I probably wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing this year without them, you know, so I'm really grateful for them and for everything they do for Irish golf. Um, so it's an honour to be part of Team Ireland. Um, I'm sure the lads feel the same <coughs> because they're huge support, as well as GUI, they're part of the GUI, I think, so it's, uh, it's great to have them in, in, and they're doing a great job, like they are. Like, look, look at Shane Lowry at the weekend, you know, he came up through the ranks. Well done obviously came out uh, came out of the blocks hot when he turned pro. Um and Cormac's starting to play some really good golf right now as well. And Gavin obviously has got his card the last couple of years at Q school, so um yeah, Irish golf is, is in a good place and it's only getting better, so yeah. Oh, superb. But looking at the, the stats this year, you have two events this year. Yeah. Generally the last few years it's up around fifteen to eighteen. Yeah. I was on um a friend of mine's podcast a couple of months ago, Sleepy Performer Pete with David Clancy. And we interviewed Charles Coates and he plays around 35 to 37 yeah. events a year. Yeah. So where are you this year in terms of scheduled events? What's the story? I mean, if you're on the main tour, you're going to play more events because it's year round. The European tours, like they play in South Africa and in Australia during like the winter months and in Dubai, obviously, as well, where the Challenge Tour only starts in like March, May. And gotcha. finishes in November, so you have a short period of time for for events and then European tours like the whole year. Um, I mean, the last couple of years for me have been difficult. I haven't really been playing that great. Um, I've been struggling. Um, I played, yeah, you said maybe fifteen events last year. I haven't made too many cuts. Um, I went down a path that was not helpful to me. I went down a technical path that was. Definitely not helpful to me. Um, and right now I'm coming out of it. I'm, I'm coming out of that spell, which is probably the toughest part of, of my golf career. And it was only two and a half months ago. But right now I'm in a, I'm in a better place and, and I'm coming back and good things are coming. So Watch so this space. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Well, you're with the right man on paper, yeah, coach-wise. Yeah. Certain. Yeah, I started working with Neil Manship there recently. Um, in the last since since like but so two years I went I was decided to to like try and improve my my club face stability through impact so um I went working with a guy a technical guy in Denmark who who was helping me um and it didn't really work out for me my body wasn't really allowing what we were trying to do um and I was always blaming myself for it you know. That like I was the problem and I was trying to fix things within me and I put a lot of blame on myself, which was difficult for me to process as well. I was I wasn't really, you know, blaming anyone else for what was happening. My responsibility probably was with 
all of us, not just me, but I was putting it all on me. Um, and it just got to a point where it boiled over. I wasn't performing, and I and I forgot how to play golf. You know, I forgot how to perform. Um, and about two and a half months ago, I just uh, I played in Turkey. I got into Turkey on the Monday, Sunday of the event, and with my category, I've been like fifth reserve every week this year, pretty much. And I just got into that event, and I was in a bad place mentally, bad place with my game. I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I didn't really want to play golf. Like that's where I was at. Didn't want to play competitive golf. Um, really tough place and I played once the week before and I actually played okay I played pretty good and that gave me a little bit of false confidence to you know go and it was going to be expensive go last minute and I went and didn't play well I shot like 10 or 12 over for two rounds I was in probably the worst mental state I've ever been in after a round of golf I was really upset like it brought me to my knees um to give you an insight into how tough it can, because you, you, most people see, you know, like Rory and Shane and all the lads winning majors, you know, the sports people see all this, it's great, brilliant. Shane touched on it a little bit in his interviews about, you know, he had a tough time last year on the Open where he sat in his car, you know, it, it does happen. Um, it happens a lot more than people realize. Um, and I was in a really tough spot after, oh, um, after, um, so I came, I, I missed the call to Turkey, obviously, I missed it by millions. Um, I stayed around for the weekend, because it was expensive to change flight to come home. Saturday, I didn't do anything. People asked me to come out for dinner on Friday night, I just didn't want to entertain it, I just didn't want to go there. And I've become world class at bottling down stuff, so like, I will take a couple of days where I'll just be, I'll mope around, I won't do anything, I might watch Netflix, do something, and then I'll just bottle it away, and then I'll be me, I can, I can somehow be me again after that. Because I'd be, I'd be hugely upset of what's happening. Like golf hugely upsets me when I'm when I'm not performing, and it's been building up. So this is the boiling point now in Turkey. Literally, and literally, literally, yeah, yeah. and physically. I can talk about it now because I've addressed a lot of these issues in the last two and a half months, and I'm really pleased to say that I'm coming out on, on the right side of it. But those two and a half weeks around that time was like some of the worst like I've ever felt. Um, so in Turkey, I was, yeah, so Saturday, I went to, just walked around the town. I didn't go to the golf course practice. Sunday, I went down. The lads wanted to go. I was staying with Johnny Caldwell, so he had missed the cut as well, and they wanted to go practice, so I went down and practiced with him. We were all staying in the same hotel. So I brought, I got my clothes and went down to the golf club and went to the, went to the course, and I went in to get some lunch, and the boys went out to practice. So I was like, yeah, I'll be out in a minute, and... I just couldn't get myself to get up. I couldn't get myself to get up and go out and practice. I literally couldn't. And I stayed there, I had two lunches. <laughs> and then I got, <laughs> I got, I picked up my clothes and got back on the shuttle bus and went back to the hotel. And, you know, I was, I was, you know, how I was feeling about it at the time. You know, I was upset about what was going on. I didn't know what I was doing with, with my golf. Um, uh, hugely stressful time. And I got home then. I got home to my home place in Irish. Um, that's in Watford. Yeah, in Watford, <laughs> near Dungarvan, yeah. yeah. Lovely spot. The city of Aglish. Um, but, and then I, I walked into the house and, you know, I'd seen my mum and dad and I was, I was kind of upset because I had, they, they kind of knew a little bit of like how tough it's been for me. I hadn't really opened up hugely to them about it. Um, and I was just hoping that they wouldn't ask me about it. Like that's how bad it was. I was standing in the kitchen cooking something and I was just hoping like that they wouldn't come over and, and, bring up like oh how was it you know because it was just I would just break down um, and it, it did eventually and I did I, I broke down a little bit with my dad I talked about it you know how I wasn't happy with, with my golf and where it was going and what I was doing and I wasn't sure if you know I was able to do this you know I wanted to play golf I wanted to keep playing golf I wanted golf to be my living but I wasn't sure if I was able to keep feeling this way you know it was really really affecting me and it was down to just the way I was processing things and my mindset and I was letting it hugely affect me. I was taking my golf so personal. And then I kind of didn't do anything for about a week. I was just like chilling and I was trying to decide like, you know, what route am I going to take now? Like, what am I going to do about this? I decided, look, I'll go back and I'll do a little more practice. So I went to Wicklow, stayed at my girlfriend and she's a school teacher. So she went to school in the morning. I drove to Carton House, an hour and 20 minutes to Carton House. Drove to the, into the car park, 
and this is how bad it was like in my mental state I was like I, was, I sat in the car for like two and a half hours Jesus and just I was like to and from whether I get out and go practice I didn't know what I was going to practice what I was going to do didn't know how I was going to do didn't know what I was working on you know I was in I just I was totally lost like in what I was doing and I just started the car up again and drove back down and I did that a couple of days in a row like and then I was like look I need to I need to talk to, I need to, talk to someone um, so then I reached out to a few people um, Neil was one of them and I reached out to another guy a new guy that was <coughs> he was um, recommended by a friend of mine it's probably one of the best things I've done is, is, is see him so and it's really really helped me and I made a phone call and we talked and I didn't really play golf for like a month like I started doing other things and slowly I kind of came back I, the only time I played golf was when I went to see them when I went to get a lesson when I went to he would come on the course and we'd talk about stuff and hugely emotional sessions like hugely emotional sessions um, you wouldn't believe like and but yeah, I'm coming out on, on top of it now and I'm, I'm in a really a way better place you know and my golf is, is actually getting a lot better and good things are coming in, in the next year or so like if I keep doing the work I'm doing I'll be back where I need to be and you know simple simple things that like you know I was kind of missing and taking for granted and things like that that I changed so it was more to do with my behaviour and how I, how I was dealing with things than my golf because like, my ability is there like, you know I have, I'm you know I can I surprise myself sometimes with some of the shots I hit like because they're just putting it all together I've been very poor at doing it so basically playing golf I've been very poor at that and uh, it's a results based game and it was been, I've been suffering because of it um, but yeah I'm on, the, I'm on the right track now again and work through a lot of issues and still working through some stuff at the moment so it's 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 all going to be good I hope no no definitely yeah. um, h- how important is I suppose the circle of friends you're in the circle yeah. like family the management company and, and all of that yeah I mean the people that you, you surround yourself with are, it's huge you know um, and right now I have a world class team around me that believe in me and believe in what I'm doing and I have a great group of friends that still believe in me you know um, the guys my friends from home when I go home we rarely talk about my golf you know it might be the odd question but they just treat me as like they're my friends from school like so we're just we're whatever we have to crack you know we don't banter on about, about golf that much unless it's something like a Shane did there a couple there last week so but yeah it's, it's, it's surrounding yourself with the right people is, is very important you know my family have been great my mom and dad have been brilliant they always support me and my girlfriend has been huge like she's the like I mean she's the one person that I talk to all the time you know so she's I confide in her about everything so like I'm sure it did take a big toll in our relationship a little bit and, and for for myself and just my life in general dealing with this stuff is, is, is huge for me so and even my, my golf's going to get better because of it so yeah I'm really happy with what I'm doing right now and things are going to be good no good I suppose the important part is well you might Netflix and chill for a couple of days and you yeah. go to you go to a couple of days like that is you get to the point and yeah. a lot of people don't do it is they take out the phone and they reach out to to people yeah reaching out was just like i used to just bought things up you know um if i was struggling with something i would put a hundred percent responsibility on myself to fix it whether it was a technical flaw or mental whatever it was and i wouldn't reach out to someone at all i'd be like no i should be able to do this myself you know that's the way i was thinking and, and you know, there's a lot of people out there that could, that can help you. And, you know, surround yourself with the, right, with the right team is important. So now I have a team around me that stay in contact with me a lot. And I stay in contact with them a lot more. I'm working on that bit better. Um, and we talk about a lot of things. Like, so the difference, we'll say, like the way I was talking to myself in Turkey. So this is how, like this is only six weeks later. So the way I was talking to myself in Turkey, like if you heard some of the stuff that I was saying, you, you'd, be, you'd be like, oh my God, like, you know. What the, you know? Just as well they didn't mic you up. Yeah, so they mic'd up, they'd be, people would be worried about me, like you know. But then, like six weeks of of hard work on on my behavior and how I was, how I process things and how I deal with setbacks and all that kind of stuff is what I'm doing. Um, six weeks of that work, and then I went to Italy, my next Challenge Tour event, and similar scores, like I shot ten over for two rounds. Played much better. I thought, like I played actually. 
looking back on it, I actually hit the ball quite decent, you know, I just didn't put it all together that well. And it might be hard to grasp for some people who don't, who are results-based in everything, which it is a results-based game, but my behaviour was incredible, like, the change was incredible. Like, I didn't speak to myself anyway, like, I was speaking to myself in Turkey, you know, my bounce back from, from a setback was was incredible for me to see, like, after, after the round, I got upset with, with the people that I talked to now about my golf, I got upset about it because I was really proud of how I dealt with it, but also I was upset with the score I shot, you know, it was yeah. a bit of both, but overall, like, I was upset because I was really proud of how much I had changed myself, you know, and change your behavior is a difficult thing to do, you know, if anyone has ever set out to do it, they'll know what I mean, but it's a very, very difficult thing to do. You could equate it to maybe if you were a smoker and you were giving up cigarettes, like, you know, yep. I'm sure that you're giving, <laughs> yep. you're a smoker, you're giving <laughs> yep. up, you're giving up. It's a difficult thing to do because, you know, some days it's, some days with what I'm trying to do, it's like, oh, this is grand, it's going well, you know, it's, it's easy. And then you'll have, like, as in, in Italy, I was really good at it. And then I came back on the Monday and had a, had a session and I was terrible at it. And I thought, I like, all the work I had done is going out the window. Like, that's how I felt. And quickly I, I, I was made to understand like you know, you're going to have days where it's going to come back in more and some days where you're going to be conquering it really well and it's the same with if you were giving up cigarettes I'm sure you'd have some days where you're like oh, it's exactly the same well, you know they, they say three, it's the three, three is the magic number after three seconds three minutes three hours yeah. three days three weeks and it's like every time you have a setback you're, you normally go outside and relieve that setback yeah and you can't do that anymore yeah and, and it's a big it's a behavior check so and that's only it piles in, in insignificance compared to you know like, like my yeah. performance is based around giving up cigarettes yeah do you know what i mean i know but it's a similar type of it's a similar thing and like now you said when you were setback so when i had, used to have a setback i used to like go into that corner and not, not talk to anyone and just let it go past me and bottle it back down where now is my behavior is changing like when i have a setback i'll talk to someone about it and i'll reach out and i'll say like look this is what happened what do you think and we'll, we'll overcoming together you know that kind of way and uh, we want to just scratch the surface of what I'm doing as well you know which is which is the good thing you know it might not it might not be next week where I start to play well it might not be in six months time but like in, in a year's time if I keep doing the work that I'm doing right now I know I'll be I'll be on the, on the track to being where I want to be in golf so yeah, you have a framework on it now and it's just yeah. relentless yeah. like I wouldn't wish my worst enemy on the place that I was in really wouldn't it was and a lot of people will understand I'm sure there's people out there might be people listening to this who've been in a similar place to me in in life it might not even be sports you know this is this is there's a lot of things in, in life you know when your job secured it might be something to do with with music with your job I don't know like people this happens a lot so it's it's, it's important to have people around you that you can talk to about it and, and you know make sure that you're you're doing the right things and check in every now and again so no, definitely something that we can all work on is, is communication in general. I'm a horrific yeah. part. There's, yeah. a, there's a friend of mine in Tipperary of all places, Brian Hickey, and we might text each other twice a year. But when we do, it's like we'll be texting for two hours, and it's like, okay, I, I need to text him more often. And then like six months later, Merry Christmas, Brian, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's something we can all definitely take. <laughs> I know, I'm from. the same. Like, I'm really bad at keeping in contact with people. Like, I'm terrible at it. Um, something that I need to get better at, and I'm starting to get better at with with this, the people I'm surrounding myself with for my game, so, so yeah, hopefully it's, hopefully it's going to get better, um, they believe in me a lot, which is, which is great, you know, they, they, they have a lot of belief in, in my ability from what they see, so, so yeah, it's going to be good, it's going to be good. Good stuff, so uh, a couple of things you might take away for anyone listening, quick tips, right, Yeah. in terms of, okay, you have a setback on the golf course, I have a thing where if I hit it, a bad shot now a bad shot for me and a bad shot for you are two completely different things right if I hit a bad shot I generally I draw an imaginary line three feet ahead of me and I have to be okay with it how I pass the line right so that's like a mechanism I have yeah and we're okay I, a lot of people think I don't give a damn on the golf course it's generally I'm drawing lots of lines around the place yeah so for people listening who, who maybe get down on themselves on the golf course is there like a quick mechanism quick tip you could could help them out with um I mean there's no quick fix for a quick Anything cool down really moment. Well. I'm not going to snap yeah. the club like Sergio. What am I going to do? I mean, right now I'm trying to avoid any of that. I'm trying to just be accepting 
no matter what like so I can control what I can control leading up to the shot and once I hit the shot I've given it my best so like you can't give it any more than your best so I, I need to keep reminding myself of that to not get upset about the outcome of it, whether it be you hit it to two feet or you duck it in front of you no matter what ha- what the shot is like you know once once the shot once you hit the shot like that's it that's gone the next shot is all is all that's important and it's important not to cloud your mind and cloud the way you're thinking from your past shot or past experiences that will cloud and how you're going to view the next shot you know so yeah some it's it's different for everyone though you know some people are very good at you know they need to relieve the stress straight away like let it go like tiger will for prime example will have an outburst and then he does that thing at, at a young age where he cross the line and that'll be that'll be him done with that outburst you know he'll be on to the next shot um and he blames himself for that outburst yeah, doesn't he, he generally yeah. i have a lot of videos recorded he'll just like, be god damn tiger yeah, he'll be know? disappointed in, in like his his execution of a shot probably um and sometimes the result of the shot but he lets it go very quickly and he's very good at doing that and then there's some people as well who have an even bigger outburst like you know Tierney Hatton gets a big a lot of stick on on uh, on TV for the stuff he does but like he's very very good at like letting it go you know he doesn't let it affect him for too long because he's a very very good player John Ram is another one who's working on that as well obviously um, but everyone's different you know everyone's different it's just kind of learning how you work and, and what, what serves you best and just getting the right people around you you know is, is important so before we get to q and I have just one quick question yeah. in terms of it was a tough time but it it happens yeah. a lot of amateur golfers every time they walk up to driving ranges what am I here to practice so like how would you structure like a range session so I tell my wife all the time um, I don't need three hours I just need 40 minutes because I go in and I work off three balls at a time and I've whatever yeah short shot mid, mid shot full shot on each one that's my process have you used something like that for like I mean like well, I went through two years of, of beating balls trying to perfect the, the impact area of the strike so um, like some of the best players in the world are just good at what they do you know and they know they do it well and they just keep doing it better you know they don't spend hours killing themselves on the range you know there is some players do that you know there's everybody's different though like you know like I can't imagine Brooks Kepka spends hours on the range killing himself. You know, he came out last week. Yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't even exactly. practice most weeks. I think yeah, he might be exaggerating a bit there. A but bit. I'm sure he does a little bit, but I wouldn't say he does that much. He just might play with his mates, and he's just really good at golf. And Shane would be another one. Like he just really good at golf. You know, he practices when he needs to, when he wants to. Like, but he's just really good. He's just really good at at executing the shots when he wants to, when he wants to execute them. You know, he's just. And he keeps improving, you know. He keeps stepping up a level. It's amazing actually, Shane's career. All these wins have been like, you know, monumental, huge, huge monumental wins. Like, you know, it's it's incredible. Like, you know, his first win, they're all been significant wins. It's it's amazing. Yeah, he's he's what a role model to have. But um, yeah, practice at the moment I haven't really been doing a massive amount of practice in the range. I've been playing golf more, which I I did neglected a bit for neglected totally really for two years I've been playing golf now more and I'm enjoying it more I mean actually look I look forward to playing golf and I drag going to the range now because I can hit the shots I'm on the course I'm hitting all really loaded different golf shots really good golf shots some bad ones but when you go to the range you can, you can get really in on yourself about yeah. like because you're hitting into a big field you know it's not I think golf is might be one of the only sports in the world where you don't practice on where you play you know every other sport you like football, you practice on a football pitch, snooker on a snooker table, table tennis, table tennis table, golf on the range, you know. In the field. In the yeah. field, you know. But, um, but I was in that mindset of like, was in the mindset of, I need to go to the range, I need to get better at, at you know, stabilise my club face through impact for people who know what that means. Um, so I could hit better shots and then when I started better shots, I could then start to play better golf, which was, looking back at it now, was, a bad way to go about it it might have worked out you know some people might have gone down that route and it's, it's done well but for me it didn't work um, it didn't work for me uh, so I recess and now we're kind of going the other way. 
trying to get better with my behavior and how how I process shots before I hit them. And like I have the talent, I can hit the shots. You know, most people can, most people that at the pro level can hit all the shots. You know, it's just how you react and how you deal with with what's going on around you and how you perform is, is what separates you. So practicing, I'd say play more. When you go to the range, I would I'd say don't spend too long. Like you said, like try and split it up three balls. Trying to be very, very disciplined in your practice, would say. Have before you go to the range, have something you want to do or want to achieve. Don't just go there to hit balls for the enjoyment of hitting balls. Um, or lack thereof. Yeah, you know exactly. You might not enjoy it. It could be a bad session. But um, me last week, bad yeah. session. <laughs> All right, man. But um, yeah, it's practice your short game and putting more, more so. You know, long game. I mean, you learn how to hit the shots on the course. That's where you learn up. That's where you learn growing up. Most places, what I learned growing up, anyway. When I played in West Warford, we used to play when I was a kid. We played thirty six holes a day in the summer. You know, just learn hitting different shots. You know, you were a kid, and they weren't all great shots, but like they were, you were learning how your body worked and how how you moved and what worked for you and how good you were in certain areas, and then you tried to improve other other areas. And you know, as a kid growing up, that's where you. That's kind of the enjoyment part of golf is playing. You know, playing with your friends and, and playing for something. You know putting yourself under that little bit of pressure and seeing how, how you deal with it, you know, and then getting better at dealing with it. And that's how you, you improve as a performer, you know. So I would recommend playing more golf. <laughs> I think we I think we'll all take that recommendation. Yeah. Right, so for everyone who comes on the show, there's a Q&A that you have to, that you're subject to, right? Yeah. So first thing that comes into your head and we'll go with that. Okay. All right? Yeah. So Gary Hurley, what would your walk-on song be? Um, I seen I seen someone recently. I watched a bit of UFC. Um, a guy from Dungarvan, where I'm from, he's he'd be a training partner of Conor McGregor as well. It's Peter Freedy. He came out to the song. He came out to it was incredible. It was the Zombie by the Cranberries, and the whole crowd got involved as he was coming out. It was just amazing, amazing the the way they sang along with it. I thought it was a great vibe. So that probably be a song that I would. I would Anytime I see it on a golf course now, I just have that in my head. Yeah. Jim uh, or pizza? Uh, both. Both at the same time. Yeah. Not the first man to say that. Hat, visor, or bucket? I wear a hat. Happy Gilmore or tin cup? Happy Gilmore, definitely. Guinness or Heineken? I guess. Yeah. Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Oh. Um. Oh no. <laughs> You're a Hinch man. <laughs> you don't have to think because I'm a Hinch man. It's kind of uh, like a Kochi versus Tony question. Very good. Um, uh, I'm true links, Gary. True links. Hard to choose now. They're both very good, very different. Uh, I can't choose. You make no. a great politician. No, walk, both. walk or cart? Uh, walk to play for enjoyment. Cart definitely. Win the Masters or win the Open? Uh, the Open. Would you rather drive it like Dustin Johnson or drive it like Zach Johnson? <laughs> Definitely would like to drive it like Zach did on the 13th hole in the Costa with his practice swing. But yeah, Dustin. Definitely, yeah. Sure. Miles, straight. What more can you want? Instagram or Twitter? Um, I use both, actually. I don't use Facebook, but that much. I have it, but I don't use it. Um, again, both very different. I've actually enjoyed Twitter a bit more now since I follow in the transfer, but... Usually it's Instagram, but Twitter at the moment. Twitter at the moment. Yeah. Play or practice? Play now, yeah. 100%. Well, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, no problem. I look thanks forward for to, to tracking your progress in the next year. Yeah. Seeing you get back up in lights. Yes. And yes. it's great to having you show. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, thanks very much, Paddy. Thank you. To close out each show, I have a segment for all of you, the listeners. So I posted a question on social media a couple or last week at Paddy underscore golf, Instagram and Twitter. If you're not following me there, get on it. The question was, who got you into golf? The majority of the answers are people's dads, uh, which is really nice, of course. There are a couple of interesting answers, too, though. At TGR Hackett, uh, hey, Thomas, says he got into golf because his grandfather brainwashed him, man. At Forrest, with two R's, 15466, says watching golf on TV in the 1970s got him into the game. Thanks, folks, for getting involved. Thank you all for listening. Hit the show a follow, rate, and review it if that's your style. Most of all, please share this show with your family and friends thanks again for pressing play until we teal up again soon or turn these mics on again at least i'm patty <laughs>